Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And I am super excited to chat with a gal that is going to tell you all about being a podcaster. And it's funny because she has reached out and gotten us lots of interviews with lots of amazing, talented people that have a really, really inspiring message to share. And Scout Sobel, she has a message to share with us today. And so if you've ever wanted to start a podcast or know anything about behind the scenes of a podcast, I know you're listening to a podcast right now, but I don't always ever really talk about the work and behind the scenes that goes into it. And Scout also has her own podcast called OK Sis, which is super cute. And she also has a new podcast called Scout Podcast. And she's going to share with us all about podcasting. But more importantly, which is something that is super, super close to my heart, growing up in healthcare, that was my first real job in mental health. She's also going to be an open book today and share with us some of her experiences as far as battling mental health and being an entrepreneur, which I think is going to be way, way insightful for those of us who sometimes feel like, oh my gosh, am I the only one feeling this way? And really you're not because it can be an absolute roller coaster just in entrepreneurship and then also battling something that a lot of people don't understand. And so I'm excited, Scout, that you reached out to us. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Yay. And before we jump off and start talking about everything as it is today and like how you've gotten your entrepreneurship journey start and all the inspiration for your podcast, as well as helping other people get on podcast, take us back a lot and tell us like, where'd you grow up and where did you get the inspiration? How has your journey gotten you to where you are today? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. What's up, GST leaders? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Business Unveiled, where we share expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals. You know we're going to take you behind the scenes of our experiences, share with you what we've learned from them, and how it's made us stronger. Because no one said it's easy owning a business, right? But it's a lot more fun when you've got a strong support team around you. And that's exactly what we do at GSD Creative. We're right there by your side. And I'm so excited that you've chosen this podcast to take the first step in growing a productive, profitable, and successful, wildly successful business within the hospitality and creative industry. Today's podcast is being brought to you by one of my favorite platforms, Kajabi. So stop trading your time for money. Kajabi provides digital entrepreneurs an all-in-one platform which enables you to create a life of freedom on your terms, whatever that may be. Everything is housed under 
one platform. So there's really no need for multiple services. Kajabi really has all of the tools that you need in one place if you're looking for a home to share your knowledge and build online courses. You have a community of like-minded people with proven success in selling knowledge online and the support with Kajabi is amazing. Give it a try today. bit.ly slash AP Kajabi. Yeah, so I grew up in San Diego, California. I went to a very small Jewish private school my whole life. So the people I knew in kindergarten were the same people I graduated with at 12th grade. And um, their parents were best friends with my parents. And so it was really tight knit community. Um, But in that, I mean, we had 28 kids in our graduating class. Um, In that, there wasn't a lot. I know, it was crazy. There wasn't a lot of room. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Everybody knew what you did on Saturday night. Let's put it that way. Um, (laughs) There wasn't a lot of room necessarily to find people that were so much like you. The women I met, my friends from high school are my soul sisters forever. But when I left, it's when I really started to dive into who I am and what I like and, and my passions. But it wasn't until actually I didn't really show signs of being an entrepreneur when I was younger, I wasn't like hustling a side hustle at 15. I always wanted to work and be financially independent, but I never dreamed of starting my own thing necessarily. But it wasn't until I was 22 that I was sitting with a friend and just meant that that state I had dropped out of college. I was suffering with bipolar disorder and just working at, I was finally able to hold a job after years of not being able to hold a job as a barista. And I was sitting across from my friend and I said, and I had this magazine that I had bought. I was just coming back from a trip to New York and it was an independent magazine. And I had always loved magazines. They had always been my retreat growing up. You know, I got Teen Vogue every month to the door and I would run into my room and not leave until the whole thing was read. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So working in a, you know, and I told people when I was younger, I said, I'm going to be the editor in chief of a magazine. And people would say, why would you want to do that? And so I was just sitting with my friend and I looked at her and I said, Hey, do you want to start a magazine? And she was like, yeah, for sure. And so it started super small in the sense that we were just going to print it at Kinko's and take all the pictures with um, disposable cameras and just like pass it out to the homies really. And something in me just like, it was a light bulb, right? I felt an energy I have never felt in my life. I went home and researched for hours, and all of a sudden, I had appointments with the highest quality printers in town, set up a Kickstarter for $10,000, and um, you know, started my first entrepreneurial thing. So that's really where this all started. That is amazing. So this was this before like digital? Was this before like iPhones and like nice cameras and to use like disposable cameras no like- we were just wanted to be vintage you know oh we were, gotcha we were so young poets <laughs> <laughs> and so how long did you guys like have the magazine and and how did how that play out Yeah, so we sold the first magazine we just dropped off at coffee shops um, for free for people to take. And then we signed with a distributor for our second edition. And so that issue was sold across the country. I was like 22 at that point. And then um, our third issue, we actually got an email from Barnes & Noble that they wanted to sell it. And I responded back saying, 
I just want to clarify your Barnes and Noble and you're asking to sell my magazine. And they're like, yes, that is the email we just sent you. Um, I love it. And we got the musician Halsey on the cover of the third issue and we got it sold in Barnes and Noble newsstands across the country. But what happened was that, you know, I kind of did a business plan with my dad and it really looked like I would need a lot of investment to really move it forward. And it wasn't necessarily the hottest investment print. So I sold the company, a woman invested in it, and I helped her relaunch it as a women's digital media site. And then once I had helped launch it, I moved on and I found podcasting, which then created OKSIS with my sister, a podcast we have together, which then created Scout's Agency, my company today, which then created my new podcast, Scout Podcast. Oh my gosh. I love it. So how did you decide that you wanted to help other people who... So do you help people people like completely ground up like, hey, I want to start a podcast or it's more like, hey, Scout, I have a podcast. I need to get it out there and get the word and the branding and the message. Can you book me on other podcasts? Did that come before your own podcast or you started with your own podcast first? Yeah, so we launched OKSIS Podcast first in August 2018, and we really treated it like a business, and I found kind of these tips and tricks that really helped us grow and gain like a reputation in the space, and we actually hired a PR agency to help us spread the word and get us big guests and all these things, and long story short, the partnership didn't work between us, and I was very underwhelmed with the results that I had paid for, and so I actually had to last minute book like 10 guests in four days because we were doing a trip to New York where we were just interviewing people. So I had to step up and get it done. And I, and I booked these amazing women and it just kind of hit me of, oh, I love doing this and I've always loved PR. And so I launched Scout's Agency with just three services and I decided to hone in on the podcast niche because that's where my base was. And we book guests on podcasts. So sometimes we have a new podcast that come to us and says, hey, I want to launch with a bang with a really great roster of guests. Can you book out my first three months? So we'll reach out to really big guests. We've gotten Brian Grazer on podcasts, Sophia Moroso, Randy Zuckerberg, Byron Katie, uh, Jillian Michaels, Ben Higgins, lots of amazing people there, Colby Calais. Um, so we've been able to book pretty big A-listers on people's podcasts um, and then obviously big influencers as well. And then our th- second service, which came about because I saw that every time I sister and I went on another podcast, our numbers grew. So I said, wow, being a guest on podcasts is really a new form of PR. So mm-hmm. we started doing podcast tours. And so we have people that aren't even in the podcast space that are authors, that are business owners, whatever it may be. And we book them on, a, um, on an average four opportunities a month on podcasts. And then our third service is traditional PR. So we've gotten our clients written up about in Who, What, Where, Mary Claire, Vogue, Forbes, Entrepreneur, BuzzFeed, stuff like that. And over the time, we've really niched down into women's voices. We do have some male clients, but 90% of our clients are female. That's awesome. I love how you try to service and then you're like, "Uh uh-uh, this isn't like I could probably do so much better and then taking it to the next level and then figuring out through your own journey and like through your own experiences, like, you know what? I don't want other people to go through this. Like, why don't I just fix this? And I love that. That's actually how we've started a couple projects because it's like, and in fact, I think almost every client that comes to us for 
branding and marketing and just from the psychology angle, they all have had a bad experience and they're so jaded and they're so pissed yeah. <laughs> and they've spent a ton of money and there was no return on investment and they just feel like they were taken advantage of. And so it hurts even worse when we dive in to like look at their analytics and look at the back end because it's not set up or it's not even, or it's not set up appropriately. And it like literally breaks my heart. But at the same time, I'm like, if you hadn't had this experience, you wouldn't have gotten to where you are right now. So everything happens for a reason. Um, Um, 100%. 100%. And I can so relate to that. I have so many clients that are like, well, I've been burned by a PR agency and they really didn't believe in me and all this stuff. And that also breaks my heart because I care so much about my clients that I can't imagine them going through an experience that was negative, you know, and that, that someone didn't show up for them. Right. Right. And so is your sister older or younger? Uh, she is three years younger than me. Okay. Are y'all best friends? Yeah. So Mads and I are, we always were close growing up and we had a little bit of um, emotional tension when our parents got divorced, a little bit of, you know, you know, growing pains. Um, But when we started the podcast, I really didn't expect us to grow as close as we are. And now she is like, my girl, right? I mean, I've always been protective over her as an older sister, but now I cry thinking of anyone doing anything harmful to her. Um, mm-hmm. She is just, I, I will protect her until, <laughs> until the end of this yeah. earth for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. I have a little sister. She's five years younger and I mean, she's not little. She has four kids. <laughs> but people are like, you still call her your little sister? I'm like, yep. And I have a little brother Aww. and he owns a business, but I will always call them like my little sister and my little brother. So I get it. Yeah. Um, and so to, to shift gears a little bit, like through the entrepreneur journey, you are also really... I mean, I use the word suffering because I worked in a mental hospital and I worked around a lot of people who truly were suffering until they were able to find help. And so when did you realize, okay, something is not right and I need to get help? How, like, take us through that journey. Yeah. So, um, I had my first depressive episode at the age of 14 and yeah. And I started cutting myself and restricting food and not showering and wearing sweats all day and just really not taking care of myself. And my school found out that I was hurting myself. And so they told my parents who immediately put me into therapy. And so I was have been in therapy since I was 14. I'm 28 now, so 14 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was interesting. I don't think like my other friends weren't in therapy. Everybody kind of knew there was something up with me. But also, you know, in high school, it's a little bit difficult to diagnose just because you're not sure if it's hormonal or if it's, you know, high school stuff or whatever it is. Yeah. And so I'm really happy they didn't diagnose me at that time because being misdiagnosed is really dangerous. And so it wasn't until, and I went up and down in high school a lot. I was, I was really depressed um, a lot, but it wasn't until I left for college that I started developing a sense of paranoia and psychosis that men were following me home. They were under my bed. They were in my closet on my balcony waiting to rape and kill me. And I would plan escape routes and I would fit and I wouldn't move a finger because I was afraid I didn't want them to know I was awake. 
Mm-hmm. And it the and people had to check my car before I got into my car. And it got to a point where I was really losing touch with reality. Yeah. And that's when I realized that my brain was working in ways that were not healthy, that were quite toxic and quite dangerous. And so yeah. we got a little bit more serious, my family and I, with the situation and um, started playing around with medication, which is a whole other topic. I've had a really long journey with that. And then it wasn't until I was 20 in my junior year of college. Yes. My junior year of college, um, I was formally diagnosed with bipolar disorder type 2 and I uh, got on the next plane home. I was in New York going to school. I got on the next plane home and moved in with my dad, went through outpatient and went through a few years of being what I call unfunctioning. And um, I couldn't hold a job. I couldn't hold an internship. I couldn't go to school. And it was a really dark time for me because my parents and my therapist and my psychiatrist weren't sure if I would ever hold a job or make something of myself. So I had a lot of suicidal ideation. I was hospitalized. I had catatonia and voices in my head. And so it got really out of control. So Um, I started to turn my life around when I met my husband, who's then my boyfriend. He Mm -hmm. comes from the recovery world. He will be nine years sober this month. Yay! Yeah, it's it's super great. Um, He looked at me and he said, I don't care if you're depressed. If you're depressed and hopeful, I can work with it. If you're depressed and hopeless, I can't do this. And it just all of a sudden sparked something in me, just like that decision to make that magazine of what if I just infused a little bit of hope and faith into my life? Mm-hmm. And I had lost so many things, my college experience, works, work, jobs, internships, opportunities, that I looked at him and I said, I'm not going to lose him either. And he um, helped me and I went to support groups and I started reading books. And that doesn't mean that, you know, in a year I was better. I had a depressive episode last year, but what's changed since that moment is that I've been able to not only work a job for somebody else, but start my own business and have multiple projects going on at once. And I've become an actually very high functioning human being um, that knows how to manage her bipolar disorder. That ugh, it gives me chills. That is an amazing story. Thank you for sharing. Cause yeah. I know it's not always easy to talk about all of those things, especially to people that either don't understand or they've never been around it mm-hmm. or they don't have any friends or family. But in this day and time, I feel like every single person that I know has someone that is affected by something And it's just finding out what that something is and making people understand like it's okay to not be okay and let's figure this out. But something very important that you said that I want to point out is yes, like you're at the time, you know, you didn't know probably who's going to be your future husband, (laughs) but at the time it's like someone that said something very small, but very powerful to you that did give you hope and obviously he understood you if he worked in that area or was going through something himself. Um, And that's awesome because it sounds like now like you guys are each other's rocks. (laughs) And I love that. Yeah. He Um, actually told me on um, date two, we actually dated in high school and then lost touch. And then um, he said that he wanted to marry me on week two of dating. And so I was like, okay, I got to get my shit together. (laughs) I love it. 
but like for any of any of you listening and you're like entrepreneurship is hard like hell yeah it's hard but if you also aside from that you the number one thing is if you have a dream and you have a goal that's great but you have to take care of yourself you have to take care of yourself first otherwise you can't take care of anyone else and scout just in listening to you i mean you know that you missed out on all of these things that all the other kids were doing, um, you know, as people would say it now, but look at how amazing things have come out for you. And again, not that it's not always easy because it's never easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Um, but I mean, I have several entrepreneur friends that suffer and they don't, they don't like to use the word suffer because they're like, I'm not suffering. <laughs> I'm handling it and I'm killing it. I'm like, I love that. Like, and I love that attitude to make sure that like, it's always a positive outlook, but to always have like the therapist and a positive relationship with your husband and with your sister and family support and all of that, that instead of like going into a hole and being a recluse and not wanting to talk to anybody is, I mean, do you think that's like the worst thing someone could do is to recluse themselves? Yeah, I think I have like different levels of what recluse means in the sense that isolating when you're not feeling well is not a good idea, like not getting out of bed or, or um, you know, canceling on social commitments. Um, of course, there's a time and place where you have to say like, I just need a day. But um, if it goes on past that and you need to really evaluate, are you avoiding because you're afraid and you aren't feeling well? Or is this actually like a rest day for you? So I always say to reach out to anybody who you know that is in your support group if you're not feeling well, just to let them know what's up. Also, when you say it out loud to somebody else, it holds you to a certain level of accountability. But I always like to say at the end of the day, you have yourself and you're the only one that's going to be able to turn this around. You're the only one that can change the thoughts in your head. You're the only one that can change your perspective and your mindset on your day. And so in that sense, it is a little bit isolating because you have to learn how to be your own rock. There's only so much people can do for you and let them do what they can, but understand that there are boundaries there and you have to develop a relationship with yourself that is so strong. Just like we develop relationships with our significant others, we put so much time into that, right? But we don't put time into creating a relationship with ourselves. So if you're suffering from a mental illness or any sort of illness, you have to create a relationship with yourself that knows that you can show up and fight every single day because you love yourself that much. I love that. Because you know, you, you, I hear this all the time. You can't love anyone else. Like if you don't love yourself first and accept the way you are, and then how can you not necessarily change, but how can you enhance or be more positive with whatever you're dealing with? And so you mentioned a little bit of, about medication. And mm -hmm. I know when I worked in the hospital, one of the things that we battled a lot with some of our patients was they just wouldn't take their effing medication <laughs> and it was really important. And so that's one of the reasons they, that they would end up in inpatient mm -hmm. because, you know, they were hurting themselves or they did have suicide attempts. And so how do you feel that, is it just a magic pill or is it diet and exercise? And what is, what is your combination of, okay, this is going to work for me. Cause I know you said you experimented and it's not like an overnight fix. 
Yeah. So it actually took me 10 years about maybe a little less, eight, maybe eight years to find the right medication for myself. And I went, I unfortunately had a very bad experience with many medications over the years. I, for whatever reason, reacted very sensitively to a lot of them. One, I couldn't get out of bed until 1 p.m. every day. Um, I was forgetting things like I would wake up and my dog's food would be in the microwave and it was just not, it was not good. The other one made me gain 25 pounds and then the withdrawals were so bad that I was crying straight for two weeks. And so I was actually at a point where I was going to get um, electric shock therapy because I was done. I, it was putting my body through so much and making me even sicker and my, I had a psychiatrist and he says, you haven't tried Latuda yet. And I said, fine, fine. I'll try one more. And that one actually really did the trick for me. And it's not that I can just let the pill work its magic and I'm good. Um, if I don't work with it, it's kind of a dance. If I don't work with it, I get depressed. Um, but it gives me kind of just like the first step to then apply all of my tools. So I do so many things. I journal first thing in the morning. I meditate, essential oils. I move my body, Pilates, yoga, whatever it may be. I pray to God. I practice gratitude. I do emotional check-ins throughout the day. Um, I really listen to my body in that sense. And so I am constantly, and sometimes I think, oh my God, why do I have to work so freaking hard every day just to be okay? But that's a victim mentality that I slap myself out of real fast. You know, I get to do this self-development work. I get to create a relationship with myself. I get to be in tune with my emotions. And so yes, the medication, I've seen a significant difference in my life. But if I didn't show up for myself and do the work, the medication would would, you know, the benefits would be very minimal. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's just not like a magic little pill and you're going to be, you're going to feel better. It's like all those things that you mentioned and again, taking time for yourself and then strengthening relationships with others, which then you're able to have great relationships with clients for the business. Mm -hmm. And so what are some other, I know you mentioned a few things that you already do. Are there other, is there like I know you shared a little bit about like a routine, but aside from a routine, like how can you really maintain focus and the vision for the business when you have like other things going on and that can distract you? Like how do you stay focused? And guys, everybody that I talk to, it doesn't matter who you are and what journey you're on in entrepreneurship, the word focus is like fucking hard. (laughs) And so when people are like the F word, it's like, I'm not talking about like a bad word as the kids would say it. Um, (laughs) focus. It's like, are you effing focusing? Yeah. (laughs) And so what are some things to help others? Just how do you maintain that focus? Yeah. So I think that if you are starting a business or you're in a career, you know, you might not be the owner or the entrepreneur, you might be the vice president or the account executive, whatever it may be. I think that you really need to pick carefully because, you know, if you're fighting against a current, you're going to be exhausted and the focus is not going to be there. But if you're going with the current and you're stoked about that current, the focus is going to be so much easier to obtain. So the work I do, I love. So I wake up excited every morning to do it. And so therefore it's something that I love to do. And when you love to do something, 
you hone in on it. That doesn't mean that every second of the day I'm focused. Sometimes if I'm not focused, I just stop. I will not work. I will not work if I am exhausted or not focused because I don't like fighting with myself and I don't like fighting with my work and creating that negative connotation with it. So I really work with my biology and with my mental state. And so if I'm not focused, it's a walk around the block. It's going on Instagram. It's calling a friend and chatting. It's running out for a coffee. Whatever it is, I just need to switch gears real quick. And sometimes it means I leave the office early and take a nap and then work later after I wake up. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is, do you actually like what you're doing? Because if you don't like what you're doing, focus is hard. (laughs) Get out. Yeah, yeah, don't. First of all, just don't. Like, don't even go there. But Mm -hmm. I would just say tips for focusing is to definitely set up a routine. I have a very strict morning routine. And so my body kind of knows, you know, I do this, I do this, I do this. And then I get into work. I always do to-do lists. That keeps me really on track, like a nice little map for the day of what I would like to accomplish. And therefore, I kind of do it first thing in the morning so that I can map out my day ahead of me. Um, I'm really into Google Calendar. So every night before I go to bed, I check my Google Calendar just so I know what calls I have the next day and kind of where the flow of my my day is going to go like, you know, from here to here, I'm on calls and then from here to here, I'll work. And so really mapping out your day, to-do lists, all that good stuff. If the passion is there, it should flow. And if it's not, you know, be kind with yourself and allow yourself maybe a 30 minute kind of refresher, whether that's doing a little bit of Pilates or um, calling a friend, whatever that may be. Um, But figure out the routine that works best for you and your focus will follow. And I feel like some people that we work with, um, and I mean, my gosh, even myself, I, people are like, what's your routine? And I'm like, uh, every day's different. <laughs> and that's the reason I like owning businesses is because I don't like to do the same thing every day. However, when I say that, I mean that by like client work, like it's always a different challenge or a different goal. But in terms of like routine for myself, you know, like you were saying, it may not be that you leave and take a nap the same time every day. You may not do it every day or the fact that, you know, you have to do things this way. But I do think that there's something to be said to have like a morning routine and a night routine in terms of like trying to get up at the same time every day. I've always battled with um, sleep. I don't have sleep apnea, but I never was able to sleep really well um, just because my mind was turning constantly. And it's funny when my primary care doctor, she's like, let's try Ambien. And it's like, it did the reverse. Like it didn't work. I didn't sleep. I was anxious. It it gave me anxiety. I would like sit up and like write to do notes down. This is like before I had an iPhone (laughs) where I could like jot down notes or do a voice memo. Um, but it, I actually had to train myself to like turn my mind off. I did take melatonin for a little bit, which actually worked way better than, um, taking Ambien. And so, but I would like stay up till four and work. And then if I had to get up at seven 30, because I had a eight 30 meeting, you know, like that wasn't exactly healthy. And so trying to find a sleep routine has made all the difference in the world. And do you ever get the question where people are like, if you could go back and tell your 20 year old self something, like what would you tell yourself? Do you ever get that question? Yes, I have. What would you tell yourself? Like if you could go back, you know, eight, 10 years. Yeah, I would tell her that she's going to fall so deeply in love with herself and with her life 
and that she'll go to bed knowing that she always has herself to fall back upon and that the strength that comes from that is going to create some pretty awesome things. I love it. Mine is just like, sleep is important. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really important, you know? Oh, um, I don't. My sleep, I've always been really intense with my sleep routine because if I don't get sleep, my bipolar flares up. So I have to get eight and a half hours every single night. And it's like a non-negotiable for me my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes people just don't realize that like there's young entrepreneurs and they're like, but I, I, I can't sleep. Like I want to stay up all night and da, 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 da. Or what I used to do, like I would stay up all night working on client stuff because I was so flipping excited. And then it's like, I became more excited with like their ideas and their events and their weddings than like they were excited. And then I'm like, is something wrong here? <laughs> like, yeah, why totally. You know, so it's like you really have to learn. And unfortunately for me, it took like a lot of ungracious people who don't even know how to say thank you. And I'm like, oh, I stayed up all night for you. And you know, in my head, I'm like saying this. And then I'm like, well, it's my own fault. Like you, no one told you to do that. So, you know, like you said, taking a step back and having a conversation with yourself of like, okay, you should not do that. Um, I love that. So jumping into the whole podcasting world. So share with us like some ins and outs. Like, did you know going into it in 2018 that like, this is where it would be taking you like your life, your business, your entrepreneur journey, like everything that you're sharing, the outlet for what you're sharing, you're being vulnerable. I'm sure you're helping thousands and millions of people, you know, over time that like listen to these things because it's people like you who are able to feel comfortable and open up that's going to help others change. And so what are, what are you thinking now? Like with the ins and outs of like being part of the podcast world? Yeah. So when I started it, it really wasn't like, I obviously treated it like a business and took it very seriously, but what has happened has been so wildly unexpected. Um, with OKSIS, we have garnered up an amazing community of women that we are in contact with all the time that are really invested in our community. And uh, we hosted our first live event on in January and we had over a hundred women show up to that, which was amazing. And we've been able to meet some of our girl crushes and our heroes and our role models and people we've watched on reality TV for years. And so it's been a very surreal thing of who we've been able to meet and who we've been able to network with. And the women that come on our podcast, we really end up being friends and their biggest supporters, whether they have a spa or an athletic wear line or a skincare line, we become really big, you know, cheerleaders of them. And so we've sort of entered the space of this whole women entrepreneur millennial world, which has been amazing. But no, I had no idea that podcasting was going to be my thing, that I was, that I was going to work in it, that I was going to learn the ins and outs of it. I mean, it has definitely just sort of, you know, one thing happened, then the other thing happened, and then this happened. And with a lot of consistency, you know, Mads and I have never missed an episode in the past year and a half. And sometimes we do two episodes a week. Um, falling in love with this medium, I think was inevitable though, because I have always written my whole life. I'm a big storyteller. And this really gave me the platform to talk about my disorder as well. And so I've had a lot of people reach out to me that listen to my podcast that have mental health issues and, and want to be an entrepreneur. And I could kind of bridge that gap for them. So no, I wanted it to be successful, but I did not know it would take this insane of a shape. That, I mean, it's just awesome. It's almost like 
you know, when um, I'm in this business group and they want you to create, you know, an annual plan and then like a five-year plan, which is like a big gap. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it's really hard because one phone call or one podcast or one email that you respond to that you think maybe spam and you're like, what is this? Um, like your Barnes and Noble, it's like, is this real? Um, yes. It's like, can really give you the opportunity to write it and make changes and it can change your life. And then your life takes turns that you're like, well, shit, that wasn't in my business plan. And you know, I look back to the very first one I wrote, which we didn't have the internet. Like I was in a library, which I don't even like to read. I like audible. Um, but nothing on there is like accurate of like a five-year plan. It's like, not only did we exceed what I thought, because I do believe in like writing your goals down. Um, but the opportunities that, come to you. And it's sometimes you're creating those opportunities for yourself just by sharing and you don't even know it. And so those are the awesome relationships, like you said, that come out of all of this. Um, do you have like your top three, like, oh my God, I cannot believe that this is really how this works kind of things with podcasts. Like if someone told you, like, I'll give you an example. So I was out of town doing an event and one of the largest um, podcast conferences was coming to Nashville, which is where I live. And so I sent my team in place of me and they all, you know, looked at the schedule and they're like, we're going to go here and here and here. And then um, my brother actually, because he was a new business owner, went and the guy that um, he's all into true crime because he's an undercover um, PI, private investigator. And so he's like, this guy who has is like the number one podcaster in true crime, like does it from his kitchen table with a Yeti. Like it doesn't have to be fancy. And so I think like his jaw was like on the ground where it really is like your content has to be helpful and good. And you said it a minute ago, the word consistency, you have to be consistent. You have to, but do you have like your top three of like, Oh my gosh, I didn't think it was like this. Cause I didn't think you could just sit at your kitchen table and like do it. <laughs> yeah. So Mads and I do not record in a studio. Um, we record on our mother's couch in Los Angeles. Um, and we like just got all of our equipment together. So we never had, like, I would say the thing that shocked us the most was how easy and approachable so many of our guests are. We kind of thought they would never look at our DMs or our emails or answer us and they have, which is amazing. Um, so that's been kind of the biggest shock in the sense of like, we've, and then we've been able to kind of I think the shock really was that we had a community. Like we didn't, because when you when you do a podcast, you just see numbers on a screen, like this many people listen, but you don't know who they are because it's not like Instagram where you can look at who follows you and who likes your stuff and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so when we started our secret Facebook group and did our live event, that really put a face to our community. And I think that was the biggest shock that we actually had people that were invested. But some of my like career moments where I've been like totally pinch me is when I signed Kat Sadler and did her podcast tour. Um, she used to be a, an anchor for E! News and mm -hmm. she quit because she found out her co-host who was a male was getting paid more than her. Um, and she's amazing. And I just saw her at, um, a coffee shop in LA and I didn't want to bother her. 
um, because I've been following her for years. And so I emailed her and in the cap in the in the subject, it said, I saw you at the cafe name. Amazing things happen by just asking. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like either two things are going to happen or three. One, no one's going to respond. Or two, they're either going to say no or they'll come back with some crazy ass response of like, it's $150,000 for me to sing one song at your wedding. <laughs> That's yes. so not mine, but like a client. I'm like, what? Oh my God. You live five minutes from my client. Like, oh my God. That's crazy. Um, or like, absolutely. I would love to collaborate. And one thing that, um, you know, I keep, are, do you, are you on the TikTok app? This is so random. <laughs> Oh my God. I am loving TikTok. I just did three yesterday. <laughs> so it's something I was like, oh, that's cute. You know, I would never do that or do it for business or a waste of time. But my sister has four kids and they're homeschooling. And so they're obsessed with this app. And so one day I'm just like, all right, I'm, what, what are you so obsessed with? And so it's like all these little dances, which I am a dancer at heart. I grew up dancing. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll just learn these dances. And then instead of saying like the words to the rap songs, we'll like make up words for like school so they can like remember how to do good on tests. Like that's kind of how I made it through college, like making up rap songs in my head to like biology and and anatomy and all that crazy stuff and flashcards. And so now it's like this whole new thing of they're excited to like work out and do schoolwork because of we, you relate it to something fun that the kids like, but I actually like, there's a lot of, you know, you'd say a list celebrities on there that are just normal. They're totally normal. They're like trying to do the dances just like everybody else. And it brings some sense of normal to, you know, like the other day, um, I saw some stuff like Jessica Alba came up and I love her as a woman entrepreneur, not so much as an actress. I don't really watch movies that much, but um, then I'm like, when I was in Target and my brother has a new baby, I'm like, I should get some honest company stuff, you know, from her company. And so it does like make you think about their products and a good thing about like why they're doing it. And, you know, people would have to go look up the honest company, but it just gives you a sense of norm. And so do you find that on the app too? Like, it's like, Oh, who is this? Like, they're just normal people. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's so joyful. Like I just scroll yeah. through and I just smile. Like everyone is just having a good time. There's no negativity on TikTok. Mm -hmm. It is all positivity. Yeah. The, the other day, um, Mark Zuckerberg, like put out this big announcement for something and there was so much negativity around it. And then someone put on the comments that if Facebook would go away for 10 years, so the world could be a happier place. And then someone said, just get on TikTok. Oh, for sure. It is so, and I, it's especially right now, just being home, it is so nice to just learn a dance and move your body and get going. It's so nice. Yeah. And it's just fun. You know, I mean, it, it flat out really is fun. Um, what would you say? I know you said that you really practice gratitude. What does that for, for people who don't know what that is or how to practice that? What exactly does that mean? And how do you practice that? 
So essentially, I have been writing down three things that I'm grateful for for a very long time. Um, the way I practice it is I practice it a few different ways. Um, in the morning when I journal, at the end of my journal entry, I'll always write down three things that I'm grateful for. That's how I end the the journal entry. And then I also do gratitude meditations if I feel like I need a little extra. And then um, I also text my sister what I'm grateful for. Um, every few days, we'll text one another and say, here are three things. I'm grateful for what are you grateful for and it's kind of a nice little back and forth exchange that we have so I always feel as if if you're really coming from a place of gratitude it's very difficult to be in a place of pain or suffering and so and also it's so easy to forget what is so beautiful about our lives so I am huge on expressing gratitude it is a hundred percent a daily practice that I do and do you think by doing that like you were saying that you sometimes have to like slap yourself out of it. Like don't play the victim, like have a mindset shift. And do you feel that by practicing gratitude that helps your mindset get to where it needs to be? hundred percent because I can be so bogged down in anxiety, but then I realize that I have coffee and that I have my dog and that I have a roof over my head and that I have my husband in the next room and that I have breakfast, you know, just it doesn't have to be huge things. Like I'm grateful that I, you know, got this much money. It doesn't have to be huge things for me. It's usually really small things that really make my day to day so much, so lovely. And so I really try, you know, every now and then I'll throw, throw in a big thing, but for the most part, I really try to focus on the small things. That's awesome because it is, it's the small things count. Like it really is. <laughs> um, I love that saying, but it really is true. So if people want to reach out to you and work with you to grow their podcast or to do PR is the best way for them to follow you on Instagram at Scout Sobel. Yeah, follow me on Instagram there. It has all of the handles to Scott's agency, to both of my podcasts. It has my email on there. You can DM me, whatever you want. Um, all the information is on my personal Instagram at Scout Sobel. And then also you guys check out her website, scoutsobel.com. If you spell the S's really fast, it can like all work together. <laughs> yeah, um, you're right. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you thank so you much so for much having for me yeah this, this was, was so awesome fun. and so helpful and everyone that is listening be sure that you go and follow scout and check out what she does especially if you have a podcast and you're trying to grow it this is probably the quickest way i would say to grow when you're working with someone who understands being accountable to consistency and as a business owner myself, if I didn't have people helping me, I don't think I would be able to do it because it's a lot of work. And, mm -hmm. but when, like you said, when you're having fun, um, it's not really work. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to tune in next week to more juicy details of Business Unveiled on how to grow your business. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Now that you have all the tools you need to conquer the world in GSD, just share this with your friends and your fellow GSD leaders. And be sure you're a subscriber so you never miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. And you can ask Siri to listen to the latest episode, but you got to be a subscriber. Before I go, I have a huge favor to ask, and it would mean the world to me. While you're listening, snap a quick screenshot post it to your Instagram story, 
tag me at gsdleader underscore and share with me your top takeaway from this episode and how it relates to you. Until next time, remember, stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.